Hello everyone, today is May 30th, and if it's Sunday and our season finale, then this is the Delve. everyone. My name is Madison. I work in production on the Delve team and today we're going to do things a little differently. Instead of a guest, I will be interviewing our illustrious host, Chaylin Askew. Chaylin, how you doing? I'm good. This is this is really different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited uh, to yeah. get to know you a little bit more in this way. Right. Um, I, I guess a lot of folks don't know this, but we have like a pretty sizable team that helps prepare each episode. And so I'm, I'm, I'm usually, I have lots of notes, <laughs> lots of everything. And for this, I'm not prepared at all. So, We've given him no hints yeah. as to what the questions will be. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be... This is gonna be fun, fun and cool. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get this party started. All right. So, Chaylin, I wanted to know what brought you to politics and civic action. Oh, this is a good question. Um, well, back in 2015, Hillary was running against. Well, we didn't know who the GOP nominee would be yet. And um, I remember just talking to some friends and we were like, why do Democrats like keep losing and like really great targets like districts and, and states? And we thought like um, there's not enough like engagement on uh, particularly with like minority groups like Latinos and, and African-American communities and in like younger voters. So I, I wanted to do something about that. And so it was literally like me, some buddies, we like emailed everyone in our network and um, we tried to raise some money so that we could start like a little voter drive and, um, you know, help people like get out and vote. And we built Latpack and Latpack has turned into DMVP. And I think we're like on target to, you know, Six years later, we've almost helped register one million voters, which is insane. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really, really crazy. Ultimately, Hillary lost, which was awful. And I think it like shook all of us. It was a travesty. It was a travesty. And after the loss, you see like this huge increase of of just like awareness of... Um, how important it is to engage voters all the time, um, not just like in election years. And that's when we saw like a really intense growth in our outreach. And we've we've helped elect like so many great, amazing Democrats. We helped elect the first Latina senator um, from Nevada. Um, we've we've done like some really, really great stuff. And so I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we've done. And I'm hoping that we can do some, you know, some more great stuff in, in 2022. Okay. So 
in your work, getting to know voters, voters who are often marginalized, voters who are left out, but also mm. voters who are engaged and members of your team with that pack and MVP. You've met a lot of people who are politically engaged. What do you see as the through lines? What do American voters on the whole care about? What are the things that unite us? And what do we vote about as Americans? This is a really good question. It was actually something that I talked about in an episode earlier this year. I spoke with one of the organizers who helped turn Arizona blue. And um, I was telling her, like, going across the country, there's kind of like a common theme that we're all interested in. And it's like having a, like a fair shot at life, going to school, raising a family, buying a home, having kids, making sure that they're, you know, um, on the right path so that they can also have a successful life. That's kind of all we want. We want to mm. have like those um, foundational things. And I guess the two parties have different ideas of how to achieve that. I think Democrats want to give Americans um, as much assistance into, you know, achieving those goals, while Republicans want you to get there on your own. <laughs> and life isn't set up like that in, in America. There's a lot of barriers and just obviously like historical things and it's not so easy and um it's cruel actually i think for i guess some of the policies that republicans hold that they wouldn't want to help folks live a prosperous life um you think of them wanting to like cut like food assistance and like welfare and like unemployment insurance and folks are like literally just skimming by um and then on the other side of the you know political spectrum you have folks who want to provide free education um not just you know pre-k through high school but taking that further through the university and, and providing free health care <laughs> um i've spent time abroad and uh, i remember the first time i had to go to the hospital in london um, I was scared <laughs> because I was like, as an American, like, gosh, I don't have insurance here. I'm going to walk out of this hospital with like a bill that's like a thousand dollars. And it was just like for like an allergic reaction. And then um, I got in, met with like a doctor and they wrote me my prescription. They're like, all right, you're good to go. Thanks. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> what? So it's it's really it's really crazy how yeah there's one party that's really really just trying to help folks get a fair shake at life and then there's a party on the other side who's like hell bent on making sure that you you have to do it all on your own we cannot help you by any means like uh, like it's it's in, it's insane yeah yeah so that kind of um, you kind of led me to another question that I wanted to ask you. Um, you and I both grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right. and both have traveled a lot of the world in our adult lives. And mm -hmm. I wanted to know, as someone who has traveled extensively, how has your perspective of the United States changed 
or developed as you've gone to other countries and, and met other people and saw other systems. You know, what's so funny. I think about how you hear like these tropes in America towards like other nations and other like ethnicities and things. Gosh, if some of you people like actually got out of America, <laughs> like the world would be such a better place. <laughs> um, because like we were talking about earlier, like this, these, these common themes that Americans all hope for and want, that's actually like a universal um, kind of mm. goal. Um, whether it's, you know, in Egypt or South Africa or in the UK or wherever, um, folks really just want to have a good life, have a family, make sure that they're able to take care of their family. I don't think Americans know how much we have in common with all these other cultures. And mm. it's, it's really, really sad because we make policy decisions or we have like our personal biases and they're just so misinformed. And mm, uninformed, I, yeah. Yeah. Uninformed and, and misinformed. Right, yeah, <laughs> both, you know, because they're uninformed because like obviously folks maybe have not been able to travel. They're misinformed because the information that they are getting is just so wrong and distorted. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I really wish um, folks traveled a lot more and um, folks are kind outside <laughs> of America. I think there's like this, um, this also this thing that we have in the States where, oh, it's a dangerous, crazy world out there. And uh, mm. we have to have this huge military because uh, it's so dangerous. And like, no, <laughs> like it's it's a really kind world out there. I mean, obviously, there's some bad actors and, and that's alarming. But um, I don't know. It's it's it's. I hope that's something that could change. We get a little bit more traveling happening. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So in reporting news around the world um, through this last season of The Delve, we've spoken about, um, and in this last episode in particular, you spoke about the protests around the world yeah. in Colombia, in, mm -hmm. uh, in Palestine, in Hong Kong, yeah. in the United States, of course. Um, and, and so I just wanted to know if you feel that protesting is an effective means of change. Oy. Um, I think yes. However, there's so much misinformation <laughs> just out in the world that mm. folks you know, with the best intentions, think that they are protesting one thing. It's so much more complicated. Obviously, I support them. I think they're important. I think if you are going to be a protester, please be informed about what you're protesting. Um, mm. Don't just get wrapped up in the the angry mob and the um, the social media fad of the moment. Make sure that you're, you know, get all the facts. That can span everything, um, you know, whether it's about George Floyd or the greater BLM movement or whether it's in supporting Colombia or um, in Israel and Palestine or, um, I, I, you, you know, you see like these things on social media and they're like video clips. 
I saw one, and then there was like a fact finder about it, and it's like this is actually from like 2005. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's like, and you know, and then people, you know, maybe they don't think about like checking these things, but you've been whipped into a frenzy. You see this right. devastating image, and you're like, oh, these people are monsters. Ah, oh, we have to protest this, and it's like, I mean, ugh. But yeah, just make yeah, sure you're informed. Is, yeah. <laughs> right. That is part of what makes a lot of situations really delicate. Right. When you talk about Israel and Palestine, we've seen, you know, it's it's very poignant to talk about it because we've seen a massive uptick in anti-Semitic right. violence right. Um, under, you know, this false pretense that it somehow helps Palestinian efforts, um, which obviously it does yeah. not. Blowing up uh, a synagogue does not do a thing to advance peace in the region. Um, right. Absolutely. I mean, also uh, assaulting like a Muslim person um, doesn't do one thing to advance peace. Um, mm-hmm. You have to approach these these situations with love and with light and with truth. And when we're sinking into like these deep, dark depths, <laughs> um, it doesn't do a single thing. And, and that's like the saddest part of when protests um, devolve into those. Right. So when we think about protests around the world, some governments are obviously more receptive. Uh, that can <laughs> be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. Right. I think of France um and canada mm-hmm. when french people and canadian people rise up i feel like the government is immediately like throws the hands up and says okay never mind we won't do whatever we said we were going to do mm-hmm. whereas china gives no no care yeah in the world <laughs> what yeah. is happening when their people rise up they just continue on where do you think the u.s falls on that spectrum oh um <laughs> I think we're on like a leash. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, of course you guys can protest, but like, don't get too crazy now. <laughs> um, all right, if it was like on a scale from one to 10, I think the US is like a six. I guess it, at least from my perspective, it really depends on the character of or you know sort of not the character but the caricature of who the protester is right certain protesters are allowed to walk into the capital with a gun and certain protesters are not allowed to stand with their hands in the air right right some protesters are not allowed to be out after dark um some protesters can only be on the outskirts of like the central business district um it yeah yeah it's like a six it's like yeah you can do it but like you know don't get too crazy do you think do you think the u.s in the last year which has seen a lot of protests do you think there's been significant change in outcomes from those protests um no um i'm i'm I, I'm amazed at the amount of protests that we've had. It's been incredible. And the amount of people who have joined. I also think that's 
because of COVID and no one's in the office and everyone's, you know, at home, um, when things get back to normal, our, I think our protest movements are going <laughs> to go back to, you know, their smaller sizes. And have, have there been changes? No. I mean, we haven't even passed the uh, George Floyd um, police bill. We haven't passed um, the John Lewis uh, Civil Rights Act. Um, we haven't, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe like the justice system in one instance with the Derek Chauvin case. Yeah, no, I just feel like we haven't had like a lot of... Um, tangible political victories um i mean what about people... on the on the more local level city councils and yeah yeah i well <laughs> i i feel like the local level politics are really really scary and they don't get like enough um attention uh, you know that they need Especially when so many things are left to, like, local municipalities, such as, like, voting rights, um, education decisions. Um, and, you know, we see, like, this critical race theory problem mm. un unfolding. Yeah. We see, like, all these state legislatures um, passing, like, voter suppression laws. So I don't know if we're even having, like, any, <laughs> any progress on the local level. Um, That's true. I mean, if we go like smaller than that, like local cities and towns, um, I'm I'm not as plugged in. Um, but I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, what's been the hardest part of your lockdown, COVID lockdown year? Oh, um, well, a huge chunk of it. I spent abroad and I was unable to like see my family. In <laughs> um, London, we had like a pretty restrictive lockdown, so you couldn't mix households. Um, so like if, you know, I wanted to have friends over, if I wanted to go over my friends, like we couldn't do that. So it was very lonely. Um, luckily, I had lots of Zoom meetings, so that was really fun. Um, I, I mean, I'm using once again, fun very loosely. Um, but yeah, no, I think, and then probably a lot of people, uh, you know, be able to agree with this, but it was, it's been, it was a lonely kind of like year of existence, I guess. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who are some of your personal and some of your political role models? Oh, um, I don't want to say I don't have any. <laughs> I, I, uh, Hillary Clinton. Okay, actually, Hillary, Hillary Clinton. That is my answer. She is a personal and political, um, role model for me. She had this, like, documentary on Hulu, and it was so cool. And, um, one of the things I binged during the lockdown, Hillary Clinton. Okay. So, this season, we covered a lot of topics on the Delve, uh, parenting in the pandemic. We talked to, to different protest movements. Yeah. What surprised you? What did you learn this year? I, w I was literally just talking about this over the weekend. Um, someone asked me, like, oh, what was your most interesting episode? And I was like, oh, easily, the LAPD. 
Mm, mm, mm. Easily. <laughs> I learned so much. The LAPD episode, I think we got it down to like 43 minutes or something, but it was, we had spoken for nearly twice that. And it was such a shame that we had to cut so much. I feel like I went into that episode like pretty like, oh, okay, this is going to be, you know, a learning experience. But when I left, I was like, ah, this was a learning experience. Like it was like (laughs) these brave human beings are now in they're they're in like a different universe and Mm. i i mean i'm trying to like find like the most you know the nicest way to say this but they literally perceive reality completely different from the rest of us goodness that was an episode and everyone if you haven't listened to the lapd episode we please go listen that one that one was a lot they really are. They're they're in their their own world. Mm, yeah. I wanted to just say, since we are technically on the record recording yeah. this episode, <laughs> that movements to defund and dismantle the police have been around since the invention of the police. <laughs> it is not something that people just came up with right, right. now because yeah. of the last summer. If you think about the Black Panther movement, if you yeah. think about abolition of slavery, yeah. Um, yeah, that's been around since since police started because police have been always a function of white supremacy and of um, capitalism. People have always risen up. I think policing is just so susceptible to like corruption. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it's power. Power it's, is so susceptible, yeah, you know? Yeah, and and it's, like, so localized, and it's so lethal, and it's it's just so, I, I don't know. I, but at the same time, I feel like it's so necessary. I think we really just need to completely reimagine what policing is. What is your favorite part of reporting on the news? <laughs> uh, well, I feel like my favorite part is reporting the news. Um, we have some people on our team who really hate when I report the news. They want to like stick to like topics. Um, the news in America is unlike news probably in any other country in the world just because it moves so fast. So fast. Um, one story, you know it's in one shape monday it's a whole nother thing wednesday by friday saturday it it has like tentacles it's it's like exploded into like all these different um you know sub stories um so it's really really difficult to kind of like follow news someone might have an uh you know an idea of what a news story is from, from Monday, and then by the weekend it's completely different. And it's a totally different story. It's a totally different mm. story. Um, and the good guys have become the bad guys, and the bad guys have become the good guys. Yeah, or there's new characters like this Matt Gates situation, the guy who is um, alleged to have done really nasty things with with uh, on someone under eighteen, and so that was like the story, right? And then, like, when the New York Times drops that, he goes on to, like, 
Tucker Carlson like like that evening to say like well actually my family was being extorted for millions of dollars and that's what this is all connected to and you're like wait what (laughs) (laughs) and then like a few weeks later like this I think like on Friday or something just this past Friday his like political or business associate like also pleads guilty to similar charges and you're just like what right and so now like he's gonna flip because he's getting like a plea deal and like it's you're just like what um so yeah that's the news that's what it's like to report the news (laughs) because you want to give everyone like a hundred percent of the story but you're you can't Right, right. Because the world doesn't have 100% of the story. The world has, like, you know, you think you're at 100, but it's, it's actually really, like, more like 15. Mm, mm. Yeah. So well, I think that really brings me to another question that I wanted to oh, ask sure, you. Yeah. So that is on the topic of Israel and Palestine. Mm. So you and I have had many discussions about this, and we often say, yeah. as many people say, that it is yeah. a really difficult situation it's difficult to talk about why is it difficult for you to talk about so why is it difficult for me to talk about israel or like why is it difficult for people to talk about israel no why is it difficult for you what do you think makes it difficult (sighs) um well personally it's difficult for me because i am a Jew by choice I converted to Judaism which is probably something that like a lot of people don't know or will never have guessed um so there's like I guess a religious component to it um I'm also you know I'm, I'm a person of color <laughs> I'm brown you know I believe in equity and democracy and um I um I have a complicated nuanced and oftentimes fluid or shifting view on this i i i know that some of the policies by netanyahu they're bad um i also know hamas is bad um i know that both do not represent all of the israelis and the palestinians that that they claim to um but you know as as this human rights catastrophe unravels I'm hoping for clearer heads and clearer minds to kind of guide us out of this situation. It's really, really difficult, but I think we can do it. Um, is it, you know, are we going to find answers from Joe Biden? I don't, I don't know. Um, are we going to find answers from Netanyahu? I don't know. Is it going to be the Palestinian Authority president, Mahmoud Abbas? I don't know. Is it going to be like... Um, I, I think like the the crown prince from Dubai offered to help mediate, um, you know, a peace deal. And Egypt. Be yeah, and, and e- yeah, you know, it's like pick your pick your country who's offering. I don't know. It's 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 really really difficult. Um, it's sad, and it's something that is. It's a really old conflict. It's not just something that like happened, you know, over the last two weeks just because that's like probably the most anyone has ever seen of it but it's it's older than that and there have been agreements signed between the two um the two 
communities there and and it's so messy and um i feel like this goes into the point i'm asking um that folks who protest like really 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 have all of your information um Mm -hmm. i feel like when i talk to my jewish friends they're scared to talk about it and right right they you know they're it's like if you take one stance, are you going to get canceled? <laughs> like, if, if you take the other stance, it's like, oh, are you like a traitor? Um, it's and it's, how much that's shifted when we think of like a post nine eleven context, mm. where our Muslim friends, brothers and sisters, have been so afraid to speak their truth mm. and to stand up for themselves, and and that has really shifted in this latest movement. I think that's been really informed by. Black Lives Matter as well. And people, right. people are looking at the situation differently. Um, but but people on both sides are are in danger on both sides of the ideological spectrum are in danger. Right. Last question. So you always like to end your interviews asking your guest what makes them feel hopeful. So I want to know mm. what makes you feel hopeful? Yeah. Um, what makes me feel hopeful? Um, I'm hopeful because I feel like the next generation of humans, not just Americans, but literally this next, um, when I say next generation, I mean like folks like, I don't know, 40 and under folks who are, you know, kind of moving into like the higher up into the, the, the power structures. I feel like they are the kindest um the smartest the most generous folks that probably the world has ever known and the idea that they are using their intelligence and um their prowess to to fight for and stand up for um you know global struggles i think that's like really encouraging so that when they run for office whether it's at the mayor level or you know in Congress or for president, they're going to come with like such amazing human skills <laughs> that um, I think the world is going to be a much, you know, in a much better place because of them. I, I, I don't, I meet like young people, um, even some who have worked on the Delve and they are really just like incredible human beings and they have like these these ideas and these goals and and then the experience that they've had themselves and i'm just like whoa when i was like 21 like i was not doing that <laughs> like mm. that's not what you know that's not what i was thinking about um mm-hmm. and we've never been more informed right 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 and, and the uh, exposure to difference the exposure yeah. to different cultures and right um, to different lifestyles and right. everything to different religions to different races i mean it's so important think about like when we were in elementary school compared to like what you know an elementary school would look like today um it's probably so much more diverse they're probably getting you know taught content that is just like so much more advanced mm-hmm. um you know i see it's like when I see like a kid's homework sometimes, I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> let me see if I can help you out. And then I'm stumped. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like the, the world like needs this, <laughs> this power shift. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, and God bless, you know, folks who are older than us. Uh, that's what makes me hopeful. Um, I think we're going to get a kinder, gentler, more generous world um, when those folks come into power. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond I hope so. It's like. <laughs> we need it. We, we need it. Desperately. Um, you know, we, we, there's folks who don't like, don't want to raise taxes, taxes that are not even going to affect them mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. to pay for education. I mean, you ask like an, your average millennial, you think we can, should raise taxes like a few percentage points to like give everyone free education. Oh, of course. You know, right. right. Um, you think we should do that to give everyone free healthcare? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah it's going to be really weird to see like what you know what the next generation of republicans look like i can imagine yeah i mean i don't feel super hopeful when matt gates has the mantle of uh and yeah (laughs) of millennial republicans right Um, our issues are not these issues like our generation's issues are not right these issues that are being, you know, oh, bit leave business taxes alone. I was <laughs> leave, gonna say leave capital gains <laughs> taxes alone. We're not like, willing to lay down our lives for the yeah. for the corporate tax no. <laughs> rate of twenty one percent. Right, right. Like that's not a red line for us. Right. Maybe we'll have a more productive Republican Party. Probably not, but maybe. Maybe. I mean, I suppose that some things do need to be conservative. Yeah, we should probably spend less money on the Defense Department. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's a conservative. That's the one thing they want to spend more money on. Yeah, that's a conservative idea I can get behind. But I mean, I think it's, you know, it's not wrong to be conscious of the budget on the whole. Sure. And yeah. deficit spending. Right. And you, personal liberty and personal yeah, freedom. Those right. things I think it's important to have that dialogue and, Absolutely. and to have and to have voices on on both sides and, and to protect things that, that maybe younger generations don't don't recognize or don't pay attention, maybe in terms of cultural values or American history or you know we could run the risk of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I feel like their lens is, is, their world lens is much too limited to Mm -hmm. legislate in the 21st century. Not everything is, is, can be viewed from abortion, religion, (laughs) and and like taxes. And like taxes on corporations, right? And tax, yeah, and, and like your which are corporate tax rate, like that. That you can't. Well, this was supposed to be my my, my hopeful question. <laughs> <laughs> this took like a dark turn. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very hopeful. Especially, I mean, there are so many. I mean, amazing people. I think I see in in Gen Z. Yeah. When you think about the March for Our Lives kids, Malala and mm-hmm. Greta, all of these young people, young women, young girls in particular, yeah. who are forces to be reckoned with in a way that no 12, 15, 17-year-old had ever been before. Right. This is new. Yeah. Like Greta, um, she's, 
amazing not just in like her advocacy work but also in needling donald trump <laughs> and um yeah so she'll like take what he says and like put it into her bio <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's just like Excellent. so funny. <laughs> I'm also hopeful for because Greta, because yeah. Greta is there. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's awesome. So yeah, the youth. God bless the youth. God guide the youth, and God save the. Queen. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because of you and the team that works on the Delve, that works yeah. on MVP, yeah. that's committed to civic action, that's committed to getting people involved and informed. I mean, much more than me, these folks that we have, they're like so inspirational. Um, and then like our volunteers, like they're like so inspirational. Um, right. Yeah. It's, like there's this next generation great group of humans i'm telling you yeah yeah great absolutely the greatest the greatest generation part two coming up right now Part two. yeah <laughs> love these guys <laughs> <laughs> well madison this was fun absolutely thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions i right. hope we have helped the Delve audience get to know you a bit better. And, yeah, right. Yeah, and thank you for all your work this season, and we look forward to season four of... Season four. Goodness gracious. That's going to be coming later this summer, everyone. Um, To our interns and to like our Delve members who are with us for this season, thank you guys so much. Literally half of all of the praise I just gave to <laughs> the Gen Z... Uh, generation is because of you um so thank you guys so much you guys are awesome um thanks to all of our listeners for you know supporting us and loving us we will be back yeah later this summer and hopefully we have um you know continue with this great content thank you madison for for doing this this was a great idea to like have our listeners get to know me a little bit more absolutely yeah um, well, yeah, this is the Delph. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you this summer. 